Welcome to Last in Line Podcast, where we are highlighting, showcasing, and spotlighting great leaders of faith who have overcome adversity, cultivated resilience, and served others in a significant capacity. So settle in and be encouraged by this episode of Last in Line Podcast. Man, uh, Stephen Prowse, welcome to Last in Line Podcast. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Glad you, that we could do this. Um, and it's not ironic if if any of you listening believe the way Stephen and I believe. Is it Steve or Stephen? Which do you prefer? Stephen. Usually Stephen. Okay. No. All right. Well, if, if you believe like we do, and I know most of you do, you will know that there is a spiritual realm at hand, not only a realm, but a battle and a significant enemy that we can't see. And we are living proof of that. And what Stephen doesn't know is this is day number two in a row of me living this through the podcast realm. We, I had two podcasts set up yesterday, and he was one. Stephen was one of them, and both of them had to be rescheduled because he doesn't know the other guy rescheduled on me right after he had to. And I'm telling you, I was feeling like somebody didn't want us to have this conversation. And I don't. I say that in jest, but not really. I think all of you understand we're at a we're in a, a spiritual battle, and and so we get on today. And we're having technology issues for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And it turns out it was on my end, uh, even though, I don't know. I'm going to go on a rabbit trail as to say, guys, we are, we have targets on our backs. The enemy's real. Just because you can't see him doesn't mean he doesn't exist. Uh, so we're going to fight through and we're punching him right in the mouth today. Uh, Stephen and I are going to come at the enemy, the enemy, the devil today uh, and talk about spiritual Amen. warfare, man. And, and this guy, I just met him not long ago over um, instant uh, in- Instagram, uh, mutual friend. So I started watching this stuff. And guys, this is going to be some boot camp for you, some significant spiritual warfare training today. Um, he's very serious about it, and we don't take this lightly. So before we get into that, tell us about fifth horseman and fourth watch and help me distinguish between the two and kind of what, what you're doing in each one of those ministries. So the simplest way to explain it, the fourth watch is spiritual warfare for the masses and fifth horseman is revival on the way down. It's, it's it more speaks to mindset. There's so much of the church that, you know, and I'm going to say a lot about the church corporately, right? And I'm speaking to almost three groups. There's the four wall church that exists. There is, the church as we have it, as a lot of us have grown up in. And then there's a church that is worthy of our King's return. Those are all different churches. Those are entirely different churches. And because of that, it's just, how do you see yourself being part of all three at the same time? And it's not normal. It's not, it's not a normal mindset. And spiritual warfare, I tell people all the time, right? Ephesian armor was meant for every Christian, even kids. And armor was meant for a warrior class. It wasn't meant for people to sit on the sidelines and just take hits. The word, you know, the word of God is 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 a living document, mm-hmm. and it's 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 sharper than any two edged sword. We don't know it, we don't speak it, we don't declare it. Mm-hmm. We keep asking for things, and we keep, you know, you know, praying for things, and not enough praying against things. And so th- the best way to describe it is that the fourth watch started because uh, a very good attorney friend, actually one of the co-founders of the fourth watch basically said after a few months of us going at it with 
this this legal issue with the township. We're trying to build a, a, a food bank on rural property. And the town came out against it. They're like, not my backyard. Finally, he's like, hey, um, and we keep having these marathon conversations, like two, three hours. And he's like, would you come over to my house and, and host a Bible study? And then that just snowballed. And really, it was a bunch of his clients. He's a very high profile uh, land use attorney. Is is his clients and friends, and all of a sudden, you know, a few months later, we find ourselves holding Bible study in a dive bar, and then we start moving dive bars, and all of a sudden, we're like, okay, so we we get what this is about. So the spiritual warfare side is tied into just pretty much everyone, right? Everyone's got a dog in the fight, at least they should. Mm-hmm. Everyone's called to battle. Some people are called to war, right? The ongoing engagement and onslaught against the enemy that's that's very real and very active. The fifth horseman is my way to basically almost kind of give those guys arm's length because there's some guys in there that high net worth guys, high profile guys that um, I don't want to actually have to worry about their reputations and reputational risk. And so if they're associated with me, they're tied to me. I don't want them you know, concerned about like, all right, what's Steve going to say today? Um, so I created the fifth horseman as a way of referring to Jesus. We are his men. Right? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows the fourth, fourth horseman of the apocalypse. Right. So who's the fifth revelation 18 to Christ and him coming in on a white horse. And so if we, if we see it from that perspective, I never wanted my name out there. If I would have had my way, I would have just holed up in the woods somewhere distant. I would have just, you know, been training, doing my thing, praying, interceding and and waiting for things to go kinetic. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was July 4th. Wow. That was a year. That's wild. wow. Yeah. It was July, July 4th last year. Um, I, wa- I was walking out and praying and, I'm I'm just I find myself saying some things and the Holy Spirit just said go home and get your phone, and so I went home grabbed it and I just kind of followed direction from there. That video I think I posted at like eleven or twelve o'clock in the day. Um, all of a sudden, like blew up to like fifty thousand views like instantly, and I'm just like okay this is wild. I had already posted some videos up on that that just got like a few hundred views, and so I'm like all right old man, you know I'm talking to God. I'm like all right if this is what you want, you know. I'll do that. And there were several years, probably about like seven, eight years ago, I was sitting in the back row of church, which is my normal MO. And I just kept hearing the Holy Spirit's voice audibly saying, stop hiding, stop hiding. Mm-hmm. And um, my background, just things I've done, I just, I I didn't want any sort of focus or, or attention. So the cool part is Fifth Horseman allows me just to kind of be myself, but also speak to things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me on. The Bible study is even something that organically grew to where I, I don't, I'm not trying to give guys this typical watered down. We're going to go through the book of, you know, this. I'm not trying to be a teaching pastor. I'm not trying to be a pastor at all. I'm just trying to basically say, all right, I'm I'm getting a sense of what God's saying and doing. And this is what, like, the balance of the Bible study was, let's teach them the word. Let's let's see what passages relate. And then God kept saying, like, give them the perspective. Give them the actual action items. Don't just allow them to hear a thing and ponder a thing. Like, or sometimes we think too much without taking action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm the opposite of that. And so because of that, I, I've i been a part of a lot of Bible studies and a lot of good dudes saying and doing a lot of good things. And they're really nice guys. Um, but at a certain point, like I, you know, outside of feeling like I was God's monster, um, I realized that there's a bunch of other people that have the same heart and same fire. And I almost, I almost like to refer to it like this. There's a patriotic American that has just a fire for justice and, and they hate what they're seeing and what's happening. They don't like the treason. And so they want to go kinetic and they want to go weapons hot. They want to be men of action. Okay. Then there's the Pentecostal American who's got 
God's New Testament heart that wants to see a spiritual response and revival. And I'm looking at like, what would happen if these two groups came together and actually started to brush up against one another? And what could we gain from one another instead of one side trying to vilify the other? Like the, the patriotic Americans looking like church people, like you're a bunch of kooks. And the yeah. church people are looking at the patriots like, oh, you guys are just a you know a bunch of meatheads, like just yeah. you know trying to idolize a man. And they are trying to idolize a man. And so both sides actually have validity, but there's mm-hmm. so much to, to gain and benefit if we would just kind of like, you know, let our, our perspectives leave room for that. And it's funny, man, there's a lot of a lot of people, a lot of Pentecostal Americans, spirit-filled Americans want an Old Testament move of God. They just don't see themselves as the ones that are going to do it. And the Bible's clear. God used men. God yeah. sent men. God charged men. He convicted men. And then he basically gave, He Christ died to redeem and restore yeah. our dominion and authority. We're the yeah. ones that just aren't walking in it. That's good. No, it's a great uh, background on that because that helps the listeners understand kind of what the passion is behind your heart and why you even took a step forward in this direction. Um, sounds like it's always kind of been, or it's been stern in you for a while from the back row of the church, but now we're putting legs on this plan and this mission that he's kind of opened up to you. And, and now you're seeing clearly um, take us, I guess, first, let me ask a little quick, dessert, kind of a dessert before dinner question. Like what are you hoping is a walk away win for people today when they leave this conversation what are guys going to walk away or what are you hoping they could walk away feeling more equipped to do? Uh, that the hearts just turn on fire, that the Holy Spirit actually speak to them in the way that they need to be spoken to, that they get off their ass and get in the fight. And it's a spiritual one first. And I, I'll always say it first in prayer and then in person. If mm-hmm. you can't even rise to the measure of prayer that the Bible's calling you to in intercession, Isaiah 59, the Lord looked and saw that there was no man and no wondered man. that there was no intercessor. And you go down and you'd say, okay, what did he have to do? God had to put on the cloak of vengeance. Anytime God has to do that, good and bad people die. Yeah. All this pre- prematurely. Yeah. And so uh, that's it, man. So that the Holy Spirit just basically speak to men wherever they're at. Yeah. Okay. Confirmation number two that this is in the spirit. This conversation is spiritually uh, fueled because you just quoted from Isaiah 59. I was reading from it this morning and posted on it this morning around eight o'clock huh. before you That's ever, right. before you and I ever it. even talked to each other. And not to mention the whole July 4th thing you just mentioned. And today's 4th of July, whatever. Guys, if you're not locked into this conversation, there's a reason you're here. You're in the right place. You need to get locked in and take notes because I have a feeling God's trying to say something to all of us right now. Um, okay. Couple of hypothetical conversations that I want you to finish sentences for me here. Now, the only reason I do this is just ideally we just kind of loosen up, right? Having some fun at the beginning. This is more of a serious conversation, but these questions are relevant to our conversation today, but I want you to finish the sentence here. As a man, I want to be more intentional in the area of, and this is you talking. These are hot seat questions too. You have no idea they're yeah, coming. You don't know what to do with them. So no, it's good. It's good. I like that. Um, as a man, I want to be more intentional with honestly just leadership, and leadership includes self leadership, right? That's that's okay. ultimately what that's a part of. That's probably the biggest thing. I thought you'd be joking when you said the gym because you look like you could play linebacker for the Jets. So that's okay. And well, I have a theory about this, right? So there's Christ and Antichrist. There's a you 
and an anti-you. Daniel 9 speaks of the people of the prince to come, and Ephesians 2 says the prince of the power of the air. So the prince of the power of the air is evident. It's everywhere right now. Okay, so who are his people? So there's an opposite you. One day you're on a collision course with meeting the alternate version of you that's out praying, out working, out fasting, out training, out shooting, out fighting, out worshiping, out praising, out tithing, out contributing, out interceding you. And so everyone thinks like, oh, it's just you versus you. No, nope, it's not. It's bigger than you. It's always been bigger than you. And so because of that, I'm on a collision course with anti-me. And anti-me is at the gym three hours a day. Anti-me is wow. interceding and walking around for, for 10 hours a day, right? That's that's who I'm going up against. Anti-me is like, you know, practicing lifting cars and, and buses. Mm. And so, again, there's there's a spiritual development as well as a physical development. You We need to be sharpened on all sides. Yeah. It's kind of like those guys. I, I, there's a meme out there. Um, these guys that, like, put on full kit, helmets, you know, vests, and, and walk around, take videos. And I think someone said, like, easy meal team six. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's funny. It's totally true. You got these guys who think, oh, just because I can, you know, put on the outfit and the gear and, and I can, you know, shoot a gun that, uh, yeah, listen, God bless them. God, God bless everyone. Own guns, buy all the guns, buy all the ammo, train, right. get ready. But at, at a certain point, we have to realize that leadership and that training aspect, as much as I can do now, like, I know that I have a sense, let's put it that way. That, that collision course I'm on with anti-me, uh, I better be prepared for that day. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I lift in the garage. I lift weights. I don't do any cardio. I'm still on my bucket list, I guess. Um, five days a week in the garage and it's hot. That's awesome. Right now, bro. It's hot. Yeah. I'm, I'll be 51 in August and I'm in the best shape of my life. But I will say Amen. we're going to need you to push back from the camera a little bit because you make me look like a uh, little... Pinocchio here and, and you're the jelly green giant. We're going to need you to shove away from the camera. No. Um, but you're doing fine. It looks like you're, so tell me, are you, before I go into these other complete the sentences, are you a background? Are you a military tactical guy? You're a security guy. I don't, uh, you worked security, security yesterday. I don't know. Yeah. Way more security, way more security. Um, at a certain point in my life as a civilian instructor, but that was a, that was a long time ago. It was over 20, my gosh, almost 24 years ago. Um, just basically, I was a K1 kickboxer. I was I was very good at, at like, I called myself a one-kick pony. Um, I could mm -hmm. break wooden posts with my legs, and my legs suffered because of it. I mean, my shins were destroyed by the time mm -hmm. I was done, like, you know, aggressively training. And then Muay Thai came in. I'm like, these little spider monkeys are going to, you know, work me. I got one little fist that's going to come at me a million miles an hour. My leg, you know, it might do some things, but... Um, yeah, I taught some dudes for for a second um, that served, that were doing some real stuff, and that was an honor. Um, on my grandfather's deathbed, he made me swear the night before he went to a coma. He was a prisoner of war in World War II. He was a bomber pilot, and he made me swear. He said, never join the police or military. Never fight another man's battle that you don't have a say in. Mm. And I flipped. He was like a dad to me. So I flippantly just said, yeah, no problem. Done. And little did I know. 30 days later, his, his, my step-grandmother actually pulled the plug on him and oh I was, God. I was sideways, but that was one thing where every single time and all my, some of my closest friends, um, ended up being SF SWAT guys, like career guys. And that's just the culture I, I grew up in. And I, I kind of swayed a little bit. I got, you know, more into technology and the real estate, not in the sales side, but in the, like, uh, the insurance and the operation side of things. 
And so I always had this kind of, you know, back end career that I accidentally fell into. Um, mm -hmm. I was 21. I got a job working at the Playboy Mansion West. I was doing catering. A buddy of mine, um, he was trying to be an actor, had an agent. Agent can get him any work. And she said, listen, I have this job. It's at Playboy Mansion. Uh, it's catering. And he's like, cool, I'll take it. So he went and then he's, you know, we call ourselves, you know, good, good half Mexicans, right? He, uh, he was working circles around people. My mom's this tiny little five foot three lady from Guadalajara. And when I got there, um, the chef was like, Hey, your, your friend worked as hard as three people when I hired him each night. So he's like, he said that you can do the same. I've said, that's pretty much what I do. And so that's it. And so by the time I was done, um, probably like two years in, I'd already had probably like five or six bunny pins, which just gave you more access throughout the house. Um, and then at a certain point that just escalated into something else that I don't really talk about much, but, um, that was five years, almost uh, a little over five years of my life were spent there. So, I, and I'm, so. I'm going to take a real shot in the dark here and say that was before Christ. Uh, no, that was, it was during man. And I say this, seriously? I always joked around. Okay. I always joked around. I, I call myself a barstool prophet. Like I, you know, I grew up <laughs> okay. in the church. My dad, my dad is a Pentecostal pastor, music minister. He still, is, he still plays music for a church. And uh, he was playing the organ for TBN for the Praise the Lord show five nights a week in Tustin, California. And so I grew up around megachurch pastors. I wanted nothing to do with the church because of it. Sure. And I, they were just one person behind the camera. And, and we might, off. yeah, we might get into that a little later now that you bring that up. Cause I know you <laughs> mentioned the four wall church. And so I know we got something yeah. to say about that. All right, let's get back on track here. I, I totally derailed this. All right. Three keys to understanding spiritual warfare are, and there you're might be a lot more than that, but do you know, no, I, can, I can try and bucket it. You're a man sent under authority. Um, if you have any unbelief at all, you're going to fail any, mm. and, um, your reward and your success might never be seen in this natural life ever. Yep. And you, you have to know that you're still doing the work. That's good. Those are three, That's good. Those are three biggest ones. That's good. Um, I look forward to the day when could be anything. I mean, there's some, there's some dreams and some stuff that God's, you know, some promises God's made. Um, I look forward to the day when God releases me on time. Ecclesiastes 3.15, what has been as the past, what will be as the past. And the Lord requires an account. And then Isaiah 30.20, and though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will not be hidden from you anymore. You will see them. You will turn to the right and to the left. And that word teachers, there's a, there's a word behind it that means refers to an archer that's pulling someone back and like ready to shoot them forward. It's not a human teacher. It, it speaks to something that's different than that. Um, I have, you know, the gospel according to Steve, I have a, a, you know, as I've walked this out with God, I don't believe that this life is meant to just be this tenuous, torturous grief and sorrow-filled existence. I think it's meant to be, in a way, a training ground. Mm -hmm. And if God can entrust you to develop faith and destroy your unbelief on this side of heaven, like Christ himself said, all these things and more you'll do in my name. What does that mean? Like, mm -hmm. what, that's like, and then you look at the Bible and like, this reads like science fiction. And yeah, there's biblical sci-fi, right? And the, the lowest end, heal the sick, raise the dead, drink poison and don't die. You know, we don't do any of those things. So we almost the church almost has a form of godliness, but denying its power. That's fulfilling prophecy of Second Timothy three. 
And because of that, I'm looking forward to the day, God willing, if I live this life well enough and I champion my story to the point that I can help other people champion theirs, that God will entrust me in doing this same work, you know, once he releases me on time, which means if the devil takes me out, if God allows me to go home, you know, God willing, he'll find me in that place where I'm actively, you know, basically installing the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. And if he finds me worthy, praise God. But that's that's my hope. Yeah. That's my yeah. Hope. I mean, that's... That's a noble, I mean, that that sounds like you've got a clear vision of what the mission is. You just need to, or that you're just trying to figure out exactly when you're going to be thrust into the right season at the right time totally. with the right message. And uh, it sounds like you're being built for that currently. We all are. I mean, I think we all are. It's not just you, right? God's no respecter of persons. We all have a mission and he's given totally. us all the anointing for that. Um, okay. How about this? If I could give Christian men one piece of advice it would be you're praying too small you're playing it safe get off the sidelines get in the fight that's it we're going to talk a lot about the fight today uh we're going to talk a lot about that because i feel like men are i mean it's it christian men this is the most obvious battle but yet some of the most overlooked battle that we undergo as men like we know it's out there like if we can read the words on the page and we believe the truth we know there's a war there's a spiritual war going on there no we know there's a realm that's not flesh and blood but yet we're all kind of like either in denial we feel ill-equipped or we're just overlooking it like it's kind of just another thing it's not like the main thing so we're going to talk more about that um all right last one here um the hardiest the hardest area to submit and surrender to the Lord is in the area of, this is for mm. you. I mean, personally, the hardest area yeah. to submit, everything submitted right now, man. Um, yeah. How, okay. What took okay. you the longest to kind of get let go of and be submitting? Oh, as women for sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a no brainer. Yeah. Women. Yeah. Okay. That's, that, that yeah. was the thing. Well, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, guys, and you could fill in the blank on anything under the umbrella of flesh, fleshly desire, you know, whatever that is. It's not always lust and women, but it could be whatever, idolatry, any of that. So, um, all right, got it. We don't, we don't need you to elaborate on it. We all get that one. Everybody on this call will understand what you mean. Um, all right. So you grew up in the church, um, the big C, I guess, and did you have any aha moments or defining moments in your spiritual walk that you where you just kind of owned your faith? Because uh, when you grow up in church, man, it's not really yours. Like I'll speak for me and my kids. Like I didn't grow up there, but my kids did, and I need them to own their faith. Not because we took them, not because we told them this is the truth. It needs to be yeah. something they own. Did you have any moments where you're like, okay, this is mine. This is real. I'm serious about Jesus. No, mm. no, it, it's all, it's all blurry. I mean, yeah. I, I, the, you grow up in the church and I, I had, I had a disdain for pastors, but I had a love for God. Hey, gentlemen, I want to take a step back from this conversation real quick to just let you know of a free resource I have available coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, all you have to do is email me, lastinlineleadership at gmail.com, and give me your address, email address, uh, and I will send you this resource. It is all about strategic spiritual warfare, learning who our enemy is, what he's about, what his tactics are, and what we have available to fight against him. Uh, I want to thank our partners 
Uncommon, where they are equipping men to be the husbands, fathers, and leaders we were called to be. Thank you for your support. Thank you for partnering with Last in Line. And let's get back to the conversation we're having with our great guests here. And, you know, for a long time, you know, I, I even, I was 10 years old. I got into the occult stuff. I, I found some books and binders. My mom was a law enforcement instructor um, in Southern California. And so at her facility, there were several agencies operating there at the same time. And so I had free reign of the place. Deputies would take me to go shoot. And, and I stumble on this binder in this folder. I'm like, hmm, what is this? It's all in a cult activity all throughout this, this massive, you know, seven county area. And so I dove in, man, I, I dove in hard. And so my main thing with God was, you know, at, at that age, I was pissed that nobody told me that the other side was real. I just heard this puppies and rainbows, like focus on, you know, uh, it's this goodness and blessing and, and prosperity BS. And all of a sudden, like you're presented and confronted with the enemy that I've, I've already seen. And I was six years old. I saw the first person die in front of me in my, in our duplex early in the morning. Um, I was seven years old. I see the first demonic manifestation at a woman at my dad's YWCA event. Like I had seen that the side was real, but everyone just brushed it under the rug. I'm like, you're not telling me something. And so by the time I figured it out, I was pissed. And so this blurry line where, you know, I even call myself a barstool prophet. I started drinking when I was like 11. Um, I started, you know, playing in bands when I was 14, 15. It was touring, um, was partying. Like I, I, I was drinking bottles of alcohol, but I'm 14, 15, 16 years old. I could easily kill a bottle of whiskey. That was just my thing. So even growing up, like, you know, working at bars, I started working at bar when I was 19, working at the door mm. and bartending. I, I were, I was constantly having these God conversations with people. That was probably the main thread. And I, I don't like superficial conversation, just a waste of time. And so I'd always try and get the heart of the matter, like and find out where people were at. And I could even tell you sometimes at the, at the mansion, there were occasions where the Holy Spirit would have me speak to people and tell girls like, listen, you don't want to go inside. You know, mm. ones that were being groomed to actually go in by the handler. It's like, you don't want to go in there. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're not supposed to. And so there are a couple of girls I know that didn't, at least in that moment, whether they did or not afterwards, I don't know. But yeah. God has people everywhere. Like that conversation, that narrative is something that most people have avoided or dismissed or just brushed off. But I have a feeling that God's actually had a lot of, you know, drunken conversations with people just trying to like, you know, plant things. And here's the cool part about that. God's grace. Right. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not that good. I'm not that smart. I'm not that tough. Like yeah. it's just by sheer grace alone that I'm alive, that I'm here. And, and God allowed me to even breathe his name and not kill me off with so much of the stupid stuff I said, man. I mean, I, I could yeah, I just laugh about it now. Yeah. 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 I mean, we all, I say we all, I can relate to scratching my head and, and being just kind of dumbfounded that I am still here. Um, I mean, obviously it was just, God snatching us out of certain situations that we put our stupid selves in um, and, and by his grace, like you said, by his mercy and he's got work to do and the work he needs to do is utilizing us as his army. And you said something earlier uh, about what our true call is and heal the sick, you know, feed the poor. And I mean, the great commission, if we're, if we're miserable, if we're constantly down and depressed and useless feeling and hopeless, we can't fulfill that commission. We can't go reach lost people. We can't baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can't go to all into all nations and preach the gospel. We can't reach. So I agree with you. Like, it's not about, I mean, we need a good witness. We need a good testimony. And being pitiful and pathetic and flaccid as men specifically 
doesn't doesn't quite cut it. Um, <clears throat> all right, so my keys. It's interesting just to touch on that. What you yeah, said. Yeah. There's a pastor that is a, is a missionary to the Philippines. He's a solid dude. Um, he goes to the, my main my main church is Cottonwood Church. It was, it, for, for a long time growing up, it was Bayless Conley is still you know my pastor. Um, one of them. There's a couple of the guys added to the mix in the, over the last few years, but. It's so funny. Mike comes in on a Wednesday night and just kills, slays dragons everywhere. He basically says, a lot of you Christians that come to church and dress the part, act the part, look the part, you're not spiritually mature to the point that you are actually spiritual liabilities to the kingdom because you call yourself a thing, yet you have no reflection of of that thing. And, oh, my, you could hear a pin drop. Like, you could actually feel the spirit of offense rise in people and i'm still like this dude yes and, and then I, I i talked to the pastor i'm like that was the best thing and their faces were like yeah i'm not sure we're gonna have mike back talking to the people i'm like what are you talking about this is whoa really yeah but it's it's that that that's the church you know that's unfortunately wow. you know the, the church has existed as part of bread and circus to make people you know lethargic and apathetic apathetic anyways i say that because you know, there there are people out there who have said the right thing. There's a lot of, of men, grown-ass men, who are basically spiritually immature to the point that actually they haven't even allowed their spirit to drive their personalities, and their personalities are immature. Yeah. And if you're an immature man with a family, with responsibility, and you aren't driving yourself to mature to a place that you can be of greater use to community, the other citizenry, your country, everything, yeah, uh, you might want to reconsider. Well, if we don't go to church and feel uncomfortable, uh, then something's not right. I feel like we need to walk in and, and leave a little bit more convicted than we came in. Uh, well, not yes, condemned, but, but convicted, right? I mean, I, I, I'm, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay with the condemning because even in the condemning, if if you're getting, you know, if you're getting mopped by Christ and the Holy Spirit and that conviction, that's also, you know, it's it's catalytic, it's cathartic. But the other part is. If your church is loved by everyone in the community, you're in the wrong church. Church mm. church should actually be a place of contention because you're yeah. pushing up and brushing up against like the cultural That's heart right. around us. That's right. So spiritual warfare, we've talked a little bit about it, um, but maybe why... And this will tie into some of what you just said about the the uncomfortable Christian that's fully pressed and pleated in his, in his Sunday best... Um, why do we struggle to embrace some of this war in the supernatural realm? Because we don't want it. Men don't want it. Wives don't want it. Kids don't want it. And when you have the entire world, especially the American culture, handing you bread and circus, handing you every type of vice and distraction now within, you know, a couple of swipes and clicks on a phone, we don't want it. And it, everything else is too easy and accessible, which means mm. we are weak. We are weak, asleep and sick. And if I think you look at first or second Corinthians 11, you go to verse 34, it's, it's talking about communion. And it basically says, if any of you, you know, among you comes together and you're hungry, which means you want the outcome of communion, but you don't actually do the deep work that communion is calling you to do, which is repent, fall on your sword, fall on your knees and, and wash your slate clean and accept what Christ did. If you don't do that, the whole body suffers the judgment in verse, I think it's I'm pretty sure it's verse 34. And it says that you will be sick, asleep, and weak. And what is the current modern American church? 
sick, mm. we get asleep. And so all of a sudden, like, okay, so you you get sick, you try and pray against it, you have no authority in prayer, you want to rise up against the, you know, the the wiles of the enemy and culture, and you say nothing and do nothing. And your pastors say, don't be political and just sit in the back. And then what? You just you're comfortable. You're asleep. Yeah. Like you're asleep at the wheel. And I look at that and this four-wall church phenomena is something that has actually destroyed God's spirit in men specifically. And if you look at, you know, at, there's a big Malachi 4 push right now, right? In, mm -hmm. in those days, I'll send you the spirit of John the Baptist, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Mm -hmm. And then go go back and read Jeremiah 16, 11, and 12. I think it's like around there. And it actually says that this judgment is falling upon you because your fathers have chased worthless idols. And then it enumerates what that curse is as it plays out. And it is dark. And if any man actually thinks that, you know, the church is, you know, doing enough, he's lying to himself. He's doing it yeah. because he's actually giving himself a pass. Yeah. And we all, I mean, man, you don't have to look far in social media to see guys and I, I mean, I've done it, but not for the reason I'm about to say, but you'll see guys filming themselves, you know, sweating it out. You know, we're in the sauna, we're taking cold plunges, we're doing all this stuff to stress our body. But how many of us want to break a spiritual sweat? Not very many, you know, not very many no. guys want to go against the grain and, and get uncomfortable spiritually and engage in this battle. So I kind of want to get your take on how to practically engage daily. And I know I have a feeling where you're going to go. I won't take the words out of your mouth, but um, I mean, I know there's a scripture in Ephesians six that, that is key for starting a start, a good starting point. But um, is there something practically you do every day to begin your day to make you maybe more positioned for battle? As soon as I'm stirred from sleep, I wake up and I, I get up and I get at it, but I intentionally wake up before the rest of the world, the rest of the house before daybreak. Um, I, and this is, if, if you're looking for a way to jumpstart your faith as it relates to spiritual warfare, cool, die. You have to die. Mm. You have to actually take yourself out back, your habits, your proclivities, your vices, everything. You have to die. And why is it Jesus said die to self? That's to right. die is gained. And why? Because your earthly, fleshly self has to die. You are your biggest enemy. You're the Satan, the demons, they're out there, sure, trying to mess with you. But if you're not in the fight, you're not a threat. You're not getting messed with. There's no way. And then you're just subject to, like, you know, the body, you know, our, our, our flesh dying because of, you know, what happened in the, in the garden. You're then subject to just chance, right? God's grace. And you might pray over it and pray for it. But if, if, if you don't have a dog in this fight, you've got nothing and so you're not a threat. The enemy's not really coming for you. So at that point, die, which means uh, how many men have memorized more sports statistics than Bible verses? For sure. That's song lyrics. Like, you know, you can replace that for whatever. And it's total BS. And, and what we've done is we've actually given ourselves culturally a pass and we've actually succumbed to the cultural pressure and conditioning. So the church has been compromised. And if you look at fatherlessness, it's a it's a result of the church not pushing for fathers to be at home and equipping fathers, and 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 even telling the women. It was T.D. Jakes that came out in the '90s with that book, right? "Woman, Thou Art Loosed," and then set forth this whole you know revolution mm -hmm. of women and like all of a sudden the church empowered this this cultural divide that's not biblical. And why? 
because the church had been compromised. And so mm-hmm. if men actually were awake and on the walls of their own families and the faith and the church, not, not you know, let alone this nation, we might not have gotten here, but we, then we have to ask ourselves, okay, so now that we're here, hindsight, biblical prophecy had to come true. If God's word doesn't come true, he's not God. Yeah. If Babylon, if Babylon, which is what we are, right? If Babylon didn't set the stage and become what it is, it could only become what it is because men have been asleep and have been comfortable and have been selfish and have been very alive mm-hmm. to self. And this is yeah. like the biggest form of apostasy. You go to church, you check the box, you read the word, you might know a couple of things, sing a couple of songs, and it's all BS. You're a lie. You're a lie. Your faith is a joke. Mm-hmm. And and you think you can pray and God's going to have compassion. At a certain point, we are praying to a version of Jesus that doesn't yeah. exist. There is no soft yeah. Jesus. And it, all of a sudden you think that you can just consume God's grace, an infinite supply where the tap never runs out and rents never do. You're a fool. And all of a sudden you realize you're foolish, you're immature, you're very alive to self, you're, you're having no exploits that Christ said, you'll know my followers by these things. You're not even trying to like reach out to other people and, and nourish them from a place of biblical understanding. You yourself don't even reach out for biblical understanding. Uh, That's on you. That's not on God. So if things go sideways and things go kinetic and you're caught off guard and go read Jeremiah 16, read everything that it says. And you basically are realizing that like people are going to die. And when good Christians that check the box and call themselves good Christians, when they see all this, you know, destruction and death around us, they're not going to look up and think that God's real and God's loving. They're yeah. going to say, where are you? You've abandoned us. And the whole point is they're not going to take ownership and realize we abandoned him first. We committed treason. That's right. Wow. I get fired up, man. That's wow. That's, no. So basically it's saying that like you sandwich all these calendars on top and we're at the end of 6,000 years and a day unto the Lord is as a thousand years as a thousand years is unto a day. And God won't strive with man forever. He's going to live it into 120 years. And you look at that like Jubilee cycles. And so basically saying like 6,000 years from the time the earth, you know, our story started to now, that's about as much time and runway as God's going to give us. And we're there, which means that we are in the transitionary time. So the church age ended. I believe in 2020, church age ended where you had the worldwide shutdown of every church everywhere. Well, everything else stayed open, yeah. strip clubs, bars, everything. Yeah. So, and then you, then you had a pretty cool awakening. There's a bunch of dudes that had no heart for God, no desire that all of a sudden were turned on a bunch of people who were in the church got turned off and just kind of fell away. And so where are we now? We're in a transitionary period and look at the biblical transitionary periods. The time of Moses, it was, it was 40 years time of, you know, between Malachi and John the Baptist was 400 years. Okay. So if we know that this age is changing, mm-hmm. I don't want. I don't want my family and my legacy to go through a 400 year period mm. of this. Mm. Right. So, and then second Peter tells us we are capable of accelerating the coming of the day of our Lord. Mm. Right. What does that mean? It means that our faith and causing God things to happen is actually capable of having Jesus return faster, which is what yeah. everyone wants. And everyone says, Maranatha, say, come Lord Jesus, come. You don't want to say that yet unless your whole house is in order and you're guaranteed and sealed by the Holy Spirit, which is the yeah. only guarantee that we have of salvation. Like you probably want to push the brakes on that and just ask for a little more grace and time. But I say yeah. that because where we're at as a nation and once that 1% emerges, we're going to be vilified. We're going to be, you know, basically monsters because again, the world you know, says, love yourself, treat yourself, right? And and embrace yourself. And Christ says, die to self. And so 
what you're going to find is 1% of believers that are, are willing to go and do as far as it takes, you know, far as it goes and, yeah. as, and as, as whatever it takes. And then you're going to see verbal skirmishes turn into physical skirmishes. You're going right. to see things going weapons hot and kinetic. Right. And you're going to, you're going to think and put faith in a bunch of other people, but 1% does the work that everyone else knows needs to get done. They're just hoping it won't come to violence. Yeah. Sorry. That's, History has already shown us violence is coming. Mm. The word of God is it's clear. The word of God is is showing us, and everyone's like, "Oh no, the Old Testament was 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 violent, but the New Testament New Testament is far more violent than the Old Testament." Wow. We just we've been taught incorrectly. We've been taught through a lens of a Laodicean message of comfort. And what does God say? If you would only buy gold refined in my fire, if you will only buy the treasures of this life refined by my word, my presence, and my spirit, you would understand that what you have is fleeting. And mm-hmm. what we, we're trying to hold on to things, even even our right. medicine, even medically, it, we're trying to you know almost like make ourselves golden images by like look at how much makeup is just sure. flourishing. It's yeah, we're, we're even changing our physical body. So yeah, honestly, the, the whole world, including Christians, are going to be terrified when that one percent actually emerges. Okay, I mean that that's that is a deep answer to i guess a shallow question uh i have a lot to learn it sounds like man <laughs> no i appreciate you dude um I, i'm gonna let you get to your holiday uh here and and enjoy independence day but uh i i feel like maybe down the road i can have another conversation with you because there's a lot more there and i really appreciate your insight and wisdom because what you have to say and what you're really kind of stewing over is needed like i when i say stewing over i mean things that are going on in your mind. I know you're thinking a lot bigger than what's actually coming out of your mouth. God's given you this huge mission and there's time. And like you said, to be cast into that season at the right time with the right message. I feel like you're right on the cusp of that. So I'd love to pick your brain down the road because we're, we're onto something here and I really appreciate the Thank work you. you do, man. It's good to meet you. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Uh, there's a first time oh, for good. everything. And I, I, I guess I uh, needed to be uh, tested on how I would handle that. So, uh, Dude, appreciate your uh, appreciate your help. Appreciate you being here today with that audience. He's been Stephen Prowse. We've been last in line. Be blessed. <laughs>